so far in Mark, we've seen John the Baptist preach in the wilderness. We've seen John baptize Jesus and we've heard God's audible voice say, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. We've seen Jesus be tempted by Satan himself and, and stand strong. We've also seen Jesus begin and set forth in his ministry. We've seen Jesus begin to call his disciples and make them a promise that they will be fishers of men. Jesus started teaching in the synagogue and he's cast out unclean spirits. We see him heal many people. We've seen him cast out demons. We've seen him preach around Galilee. We've seen him heal a leper and make a lame man just get up and walk. He's ate with tax collectors and sinners and he's been challenged by Pharisees. He taught the parable of the new skins. He explained the Sabbath. He healed a man with a withered hand. And we saw two enemies, two groups who hate each other, join together to plot to destroy Jesus. A lot's happened. And we start in chapter 3, verse 7, which was wonderfully read earlier. So with all that that's been going on, we find Jesus withdraws from the cities. He kind of comes away from the cities. He comes away from the towns and heads to the sea, heads to the coast along with his disciples. And the Bible says that many people were traveling with him. And it names a number of places that they traveled from. And when you kind of look around, I did a quick Google Maps. And it works out that some of these people were traveling roughly two days walk. Two days. And that's, this is two days in today's society where we've got roads that kind of go quickly to where we want to go to. We're not talking about hills and rocks. And, and we're, also, we're also talking about 40, 50 degrees Celsius. So people are walking for two days just to come and see Jesus. To give you an idea, we're talking like people walking from London to Wolverhampton just to come and see somebody. That's commitment. So what they're hearing about must be at a level where they know something special is taking place. And not only that, but they're wondering too... Again, there's no phones, there's no... So they're wondering two hours to try and find somebody that they may not even be able to find there's no facebook check-in there's no i've just seen this person you're kind of going on word of mouth hopefully we'll be able to track the person down and find where they are that's faith that's faith so these people have traveled for two days possibly longer than two days in the heat in the uncomfortable areas over rocks really on difficult situations difficult environments Risking danger, because in those times, when you're traveling between city and city, the risk of getting robbed and attacked and murdered is is really high. So, again, they're doing it. But how are they doing it? How are they even hearing that this guy is two days' walk away? Because people are talking. People are talking. And and you start to, when you you read through the book of Mark, and you get to around chapter 3, you start hearing the buzz that's kind of getting around Jesus. People are starting to talk about his name. People are muttering his name. And it's getting a distance quick again you know for now if I want to call if I want to contact somebody in London or tell you know service was great this happened it's a quick phone call 30 seconds later the information's done but for me to get a message from here to London I've got to tell so and so who's going to go into Birmingham and they've got to tell someone who's going off to Coventry and it's a long it's a long process and by the time the news gets to London who knows where I am I could have wandered off a totally different direction so News is, is going and it's traveling fast. People are sharing the good news already. 
And it is interesting that we as a people, we as a, as a Western culture, we love talking about people. We love, we, love, we love sharing information. We love chatting. But quite often, it's more negative than it is positive. Me and a couple of lads yesterday were met together and we kind of sat down. We just had some breakfast and just spoke. And we were talking about how actually it is... We'd sit down in a restaurant and if the food came and it was good, we'd say, it's good. That's it. It would have to really exceed our expectation for us to say something really positive. But I guarantee you the food comes out late or it's off par and it's, can I speak to the manager please? Because we're happy to complain when things don't go well. But when things go right, we kind of, well, it's just how it should be, isn't it? But sometimes people like to complain about things that don't even make sense. Or they complain to people that they don't need to complain to. I was looking for some tools the other day, and I was reading through the reviews on on Screwfix. Other retail establishments are available. I was flicking through the reviews on Screwfix, and I saw um, a review, and it said, this tour, it was one out of five stars. I think it was a saw, one out of five. Why? Because it was sold out. How can you have a go at the quality of something because you never had a chance to get it? Doesn't make sense. So people are complaining about the wrong thing, complaining about Screwfix, but not about the tool. Now, if I if I had just gone on looking at the stars and just a quick look, I'd have taken that as quite a poor review. However, I've actually taken time to dig and hold on. This is nothing to do with the item itself. It's just people complaining. For no apparent reason. And church, sometimes we, we, we get frustrated and we have to let it out. But can I urge you that we complain to the right people at the right time? Because the wrong complaint in the wrong area can cause so much devastation. If me and my wife have an argument, and we have arguments, I know I'm the only married couple that have, yeah, I'm not the, we're the only married couple that do have arguments, I know everybody else is fine. We don't have arguments, to be fair. She says what she says, and I tell the truth. <laughs> um, and if anybody wants me to stay at their house later, I'll be, I'll be looking around. But when, when we have disagreements and we have, we have discussions, it doesn't make sense for me to be angry with my wife and then go find another woman to confess that to, to offload that to. doesn't make sense. I think the definition of stupidity... Would, would be applied there. If I've got a problem, I need to go speak to first, my wife. And failing that, if I need to offload, if I need to, you know, the counsel of somebody, I need to find some, some wise brothers I can kind of get around and speak to. And not the people who are going to tell me, you're right. Actually, people are going to say, well, Nathan, actually, you shouldn't have said that. Because when, we want, when we're complaining, we want to find people who want to complain with us. We want to be, we want to be edified. Yes, yes, that's right. Do it, do it. Well, actually, sometimes we go find somebody and we, we complain and they're like, well, you're in the wrong, you know. And that hurts. Because we, we didn't come for them for a true word. We came for them to join our pity party. To back us up, that's right. So we've got to be careful. Because again, that can cause more harm than good. And then before, you know, so I come and I speak to Sister Grace and I'm complaining about my wife and 
I go home and me and my wife make up, everything's wonderful, everything's great. However, Grace now has an opinion about my wife. Exactly. Or about me. One of the two. One of the two. Now, Grace being a wonderful woman will weigh the opinions up and know that people have complaints and she'll be fine. But some people will then tell other people, well, this is going on. Did you know that Shade did this? Did you know Nathan did this? And before you know it, we've gone from an argument over how to wash dishes to suddenly you're on the verge of divorce. <laughs> because that's how it goes. Because I've seen it. I've seen where the, the gossip has been passed on and the person doesn't really seem that interested about it. So suddenly they have to try and pull something out of the bag to make them entertained. Because we are all about entertainment. So going back, Jesus' name is being spread around all over Israel. And Jesus is getting so popular, actually the crowds are kind of forcing him to retreat further and further away. He gets his disciples to call a boat out. Because actually these people are crowding me so much, it's becoming a little bit, a little bit dangerous. Let me kind of retreat away so there's going to be safety. Because although Jesus was great and Jesus was powerful, we have to recognize he had physical limitations. Physical limitations. He still slept, he still ate, he still hungered, because he was man. Amen? What's interesting about the scripture that was read is that he's out on the boat, and the Bible says that when the unclean spirits saw him, not touched him, but when the unclean spirits saw him, they cried out. We have limitations. We are flesh and blood. I have many limitations. Far more than you, I'm sure. But sometimes we put limitations on ourselves that aren't actually there. I was in Malawi in 20... Either 12 or 15. I went to an orphanage and there was a young lady and I can't remember what her condition was. But she had a condition where um, she can't walk really. She's... In, in today's society, she'd be in a wheelchair, she'd have a full-time carer who'd be pushing her around and helping her out. And this girl was sat there, and because ultimately the, the society there is, is hard, so they don't do much for her, not because they're evil, because it's actually you need to learn to prepare for yourself in the future. And I kid you not, this girl who was probably around six, seven years old, crawled using her face and her, sho- her shoulder across the floor and robbed one of our party's hats straight off his head. Not rubbed as in, you know, she's got, she, she saw it, wants to play with it, it's on her head. And I'm like, wow, how did she do that? So we played around, took it back on, 10 minutes later, it's gone again. Now, if this was here, she wouldn't have done that because we would have done so much stuff to kind of help her and pun. Sometimes we limit ourselves. We have limitations around us, but sometimes we bind ourselves up far more than we need to be. Let's not do that. Let's not do that. I work in schools, I work in the community, I work with a lot of young people, and I tell them, listen, people are going to stop you for the rest of your life. Why do it to yourself? People are going to try and stop you from succeeding. Why do it to yourself? It doesn't make sense. Let's stop putting limitations on ourselves. There are some things we can't do, but we can do far much more than we actually realize. So what's interesting as well is that the clean spirits have seen him. They've cried out. He's cast them out. But 
he said to them, don't tell anybody. They called him the, the son of God. But they said, he said, don't tell people who I am. And the first time I said, I'm like, why, wouldn't you, why wouldn't you want people to know who you are? That kind of a bit strange to me. And again, to be fair, you know, if a demon popped out and said, listen, that, that person, I'd probably be like, oh, that's it's unusual. It's a bit of a, maybe I would believe them more. But actually, again, it makes sense because if you went to court, the witness, the person you wanted to say what happened is somebody normally who is of good standing. If you choose between, uh, you know, a, a, a doctor or a lawyer or somebody who's got a criminal record the longest, so you tend to go for the, the lawyer or the doctor because they will be seen by the judge in a more favorable light. What they're saying is exactly the same, but society tends to view the person who is the doctor as somebody who is of good standing. So if you've got people who are questioning whether Jesus is, is right, the last thing you want to do is have a demon vouching for who you are. What a kind of works against you. You know, if, if, if I was a thief, the last person I want backing me up is a thief. Doesn't really look good. So he would have conformed to the enemy that actually this person is a little bit dodgy. So he went from the sea and he went to the mountain. So from the bottom to the top. And the Bible says that he called the people that he wanted. He called his disciples and he made them disciples. It's interesting again that he called his disciples. Jesus calls us. And he makes them disciples. And he, made, he, he called them apostles. They didn't appoint themselves. They didn't go around saying, I've sort of decided I'm an apostle. He called them an apostle. And he appointed them primarily to do two things. One, to preach. And two, to cast out demons. So he's done that now. He's, 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 he's chosen his 12. And we've, we've heard the majority of the names. And he's gone from there back home. And the Bible says that his family tried to seize him. They tried to kind of grab him and pull him to one side. Because they're saying that he's out of his mind. Now... We don't know what it means by family, whether it means his mom, whether it means his cousins, whether it means a bit more extended family. But we know that the family tried to stop him and drag him. And that would have been because he was back in his home area. And the Bible does say that a prophet is without honor in his own town. Sometimes people come out from around you. It's hard to believe what they would really have done. Because you kind of remember them being small. You remember them making mistakes as they grew up. Somebody once said to me that the greatest testament to Jesus being God is that his own brother believed it. Because I've got siblings. And it would take a lot to, for me to believe anything about them being anywhere near perfect. Because I've grown up around them. I've seen their weaknesses. I've seen them when they're, when they're crying. I've seen them when they're angry. I've seen them... So it's a good testament. So people have come back and he's back in Nazareth and people aren't really like him. People are kind of like, well, what, the same Jesus that was here when he was running around like this big. You mean, you mean Joseph's son? You mean the carpenter's boy? But he's no longer that little boy anymore. He's stepped up and he's become a man. But the interesting part is that Nazareth doesn't have a good reputation. It's kind of seen as just a, a nowhere town. So even more reason for them to think, actually, how could someone great come from Nazareth and we're just Nazarenes? No one else has come from, from us, so why would somebody else come from here? So we've heard about the Herodians, said it right this time. We've heard about the Pharisees. 
even Jesus' family are kind of coming against him. And now we have the scribes. Just to give a recap, the, the, the Pharisees are kind of the religious leaders who kind of set themselves apart. And you had to come from the Pharisees' family to become a Pharisee. And the Herodians were those who believed that Rome was wrong and, and we need to bring in Herod back to the throne. The scribes were kind of like legal administrative people. So think of your kind of your law setters, your, I suppose in many ways your MPs to a degree. And they've now come to Jesus. They're now trying to bring Jesus down. And for those of you who are in ministry, for those of you who are ministering, this is where you realize it can be a lonely place. It can be a very lonely place. It's a place where you can turn around and you think you had friends, but suddenly everybody's gunning for you. The scribes are saying he's using demons to cast out demons. Which again doesn't make sense. I'm by no means an expert, but you know, if I saw a fire, the last thing I'm going to do to get rid of the fire is to throw fire on the fire. It just doesn't seem to make sense. If I've got a leak and water is dripping down, I'm not going to turn on a tap. It just doesn't seem to make sense. But they called him Behilzebul, which is the name taken from one of the Philistine gods. And it translates as either Lord of the Flies or Lord of the Dung. And the Pharisees themselves reference it not only just as a, as a god, but they attribute the name straight to Satan. So they've called Jesus Satan. Dangerous. They were calling Jesus himself an unclean spirit. So remember, Jesus is going around, he's healing people, he's casting out demons, and people are saying, actually, you know what? This feels a little bit uncomfortable, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to tarnish your name. And I've seen it done. I've seen it done in church, I've seen it done in the community, I've seen it done in the workplace, I've seen it done where when someone tries to rise up, people get a little bit, a little bit uncomfortable. And because, because I can't get myself further up, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and bring you down. Because if you're down, it makes me feel a little bit higher. But dangerous thing is they, they spoke against Jesus, so Jesus goes straight into teaching mode. She's like, all right, I hear what you're saying. First of all, he challenges them. How can a demon cast out a demon? Don't make sense. He then says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. Without being political, we find ourselves, we look at Brexit and things like that, and we see the country split. And the moment you see a fraction, it gives you a chance to, to jump in. Again, using the, the example of, of my wife and I, if people see me and my wife having arguments... People who want to disrupt the family see a way into... But if we present a unified front, it's far difficult to get in. And Jesus says, no man can rob a strong man's house unless they first bind the strong man. So Jesus is talking about a different type of kingdom here. But the same is true for us. Both in terms of church, both in terms of a community, both in terms of a country... We need to be united. Not your united. <laughs> you were winning nothing. But, um, but we need to stand together and be together. And sometimes, actually, you can say that you're united, but you're so disjointed. <laughs> Bit like united. But we need to be together. 
Because when we are together, actually, that's when things tend to move in a way it needs to move. Everything has an order. God is not only the God of order, but God is order. So you put certain things in a routine when you bake a cake. You don't put the icing in before you put the eggs in. It's going to be wrong. It's going to be wrong. I was watching a, a Disney show the other day, an old, old Disney film, and the woman was trying to make a cake, and she, put, she dashed two eggs in, and then started to fold it together. And you hear the eggs crunching, because she hasn't touched the Because there's a process to do what you need to do. And if you don't do it, things don't go according to how they go. So be careful. Be careful. Jesus then goes on to talk about how blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is unforgivable. And this is convicting because we need to be careful what we say in church. Sometimes we're too quick to judge. But we should be quick to hear and slow to speak. My teacher once said, so you've got two ears and one mouth. Use that ratio. So we've got to be careful what we call down. We've got to be careful what we call good. One of the most powerful tools I have when I work with young people at work is not saying anything. Sometimes I ask them a question, so what happened yesterday? Oh, enough went to the park. And, and because sometimes people see a void and they have to fill it. Again, I've seen it around people. The moment quiet comes and people need to talk. People have to fill that gap. Be careful what you judge. Be careful what you speak on. Sometimes it's better just to chill. Why do we need to keep on talking? I believe, uh, I think it's Bishop uh, Letford once said, if you've got nothing to say, it's better you fill your mouth with water. Because actually, if, it, if it, it's not going to edify, if, it's not, if there's not a reason why I'm talking, why am I talking? Like, what's the point? And this is a mentality we need to get in the habit of. If it's not going to be beneficial, why are we doing it? Most of the things that, that bring us back in life are our own fault. Maybe it's just me. But I say this all the time. Nobody lies to you more than yourself. No one pushes you further back more than yourself because you deceive yourself and you most time are your own worst enemy. So we need to be unified. Amen? Families need to be unified. You see, families warring. Now, families aren't always going to get on similarly because they contain people. And people have a wonderful way of irritating us. Amen? We could, no? Just me? People are irritating. I know I'm irritating. So people are irritating. So but families are warring. Not only just not getting on, but actually battling against each other. We see friends and, and communities battling against each other. We need to be unified. Because if not, we do the battle for the enemy ourselves. And going back to what I said before, why are we helping other people to hold us back? Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Let's be unified. Let's stop destroying our own things. The Bible then talks that Jesus and his, and Jesus his mother and brother arrive when Jesus is talking to a crowd. Now we're not sure whether, it says that they were outside, we're not sure whether they were outside of the building or just outside of the crowd. But they arrive and the, 
conversation happens and says, oh, your, your mother and your brothers are outside. And Jesus says, nah, my brothers, my sisters, and my mother are the people who follow the will of God. You've got to bear in mind, don't forget that his family were trying to stifle him. His family were trying to stop him. Sometimes the people in your corner actually aren't in your corner. And you've got to be very, very careful about who you have backing you. Because if you're leaning on people that aren't holding you up, it's a big four. It's a big four. And I always remember the, a, a story that uh, Pastor Mark spoke about, Reverend Mark spoke about, where he spoke about uh, two boxers. I'm not going to miss quite which fight it was. But the two boxers were fighting. It was a, it was a serious fight. It was serious. And the two boxers went back to their corners. And one of the boxers was like, you know what? I can't, I can't do no more. And his corner was like, you can do it. Just hold on. Just, just hold on. But in the other corner, the guy's saying, look, I need to bring you out. And the boxer's saying, no, no, no. Just, let me, just give me another round. I, I can kind of make it. But in the end, the, the guy in the corner threw the towel in. And the boxer who wanted to come out ended up winning. It all depends on who you've got behind you, whether you're successful or not. And, and can, I, can I encourage you people, encourage you church, encourage you family to choose good people. As I said before, people who aren't going to just tell you what you want to hear. People who are going to challenge you. People who actually, you know what, care for you so much, they're willing to ruin their relationship with you for you to progress. Because everybody wants to be friends. Everybody wants to be pally-pally. But actually, you know what? I would rather tell someone about themselves and fall out with them, but them grow. It's fine. It's fine. Because I love my friends, my family, I love them more than my relationship with them. I'm happy to sit back and watch them from afar be successful. I don't need to be at their dining table. It's fine. So who have you got around you? Who are, who are building you up? Who are supporting you? Who's the people that if they hear something, is going to shut it down, not just come back and gossip? One of the first things I heard when, when um, I started to do now is when people come back to me and say, oh, so-and-so said this. I said, what, what did you say? Because actually, if you're not backing it, you're actually going against me. There's an old phrase which says to ignore the conflict between the powerful and the powerless is to side with the powerful. Listen, there's no neutral. There is no neutral. There's A and there's B. Yeah? And if you're not fighting for one, you're fighting for the other. Choose your side. Choose your side. But notice that Jesus says, my brothers, my sisters, and my mother are the ones who follow the will. He didn't mention father. Why? Because that role had already been assigned to the father. Jesus recognized that he's got this new family here and things are a little bit different. Family is not defined by blood. Family is defined by those who show themselves as family. Amen? I believe God wants us to stop shackling ourselves more than we're already shackled. Sometimes we can bake chains, but we still got the fetters around our wrists. We need to fully let go. And the example I gave a couple of weeks back was about the elephant walking around the tree. And no one's holding the elephant to this tree anymore, apart from himself. We need to stop shackling ourselves and recognize the power that we have in earthen vessels. 
We need to be unified. The dangerous thing about unification, it sometimes relies upon division first. Some of us have problems with people we need to sort out. Some of us are, we're all pally pally, we're all kind of, oh, how are you doing? It's good to see you. But actually, it's not there. If I've got a problem with Sister Grace, I need to come say, you know what, Sister Grace? I've got a problem. And it may cause us not to talk for a few weeks, but it's better we sort it out than keep this facade. Let's be unified. Let's be unified. In, in the military, the, the, um, the Romans were good at this, but the Spartans were awesome at it. And they talk about it in the, in the armed forces. You protect the man to your left. Because as long as you're protecting the man to your left, the person to your right is protecting you. But actually, if the person to your right's not backing it, there's a weakness. And all of a sudden, you're becoming a victim, a target. We need to be truly unified. And you know what? If Sister Grace isn't supporting me, I'd rather know so I don't give her the opportunity to let me down. We need to be truly, not just looking unified, but truly unified. And finally, just as Jesus said, this is my family. The father calls us and says, look, it's time for you to have a new family. That doesn't mean you get rid of people. That's not what it's about at all. But God is saying, come into my family. Come into my family. And you know what? We have our differences, church. We have our complaints. We have our arguments. But it's a good family. Because we sort it out. And I tell you, when my dad passed away, people I don't even talk to in this church were there. Why? Family. Family. Don't have to speak to them every day. There's people, that, there's friends I've got that I haven't spoken to in months, in years, but I pick up the phone and it's like, boom, just where we left off, because we're family. And God's saying, look, I want you to be my child. I want you to be my child. And he extends the opportunity for us to be in relationship with him through the sacrifice of his son, his perfect and spotless son. So I'm going to give the chance for three aspects of prayer. And then we as a family are going to pray. Is that all right? So three things are what we need to come forward for if you want prayer for. And then we're all going to pray together. And again, it's not about looking away or, or feeling people looking at you. Again, forget everybody. This is about you and God. So the first is for those people who are actually, you know what, I feel shackled. I feel like I'm trying to get free and do stuff, but I'm just being held down. That could be due to, that could be due to substances. That could be due to friendships. That could be due to choices you're making. Whatever it is, if you want to kind of be free and recognize the, the power you have and then walk in that freedom, then they'll ask you to come forward. And if you know there's people you've been having trouble with sometimes it's not even you sometimes somebody else has got a problem with you go and sort it with them the responsibility is on them but we can sometimes be the bigger person and step forward and say look 
let's sort it out. So if you've got some, some roads ahead and you, you need to be unified, you're, you're harboring that, that, that feeling in your heart, then come forward. And finally, for those who want to step into the family of God, then I'm going to ask you to come forward as well. For those who, who know me, the calls are never longed out. I don't believe in longing out calls. I don't believe in, in, in using emotion or anything like that or trying to build you up. I'm going to give you a few moments to come forward if you want prayer. And then we're going to, we're going to pray and close. Is that all right? So you have a couple more moments. Okay, that's fine. Church, let's stand and pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's two. Praise the Lord. So we're going to pray for unification. For those who want to be in, sorry, sir. For those who want to be in, in family. And for those who want to be set free. Is that all right? Let's pray. Lord, Father, God, you are great. Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're mighty. Let's pray, church. Lord, you're wonderful. And Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you have given us your word, Lord. Your word, which is powerful. Your word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. And Lord, I pray for unity, Father God, that we can be together, that we can be a mighty force that walks together in time, in rhythm, in power, Lord God, under your anointing, Father God, but in relation to your word. Walking in truth of your word, Father God, that we will be a mighty force that when things are coming against, we can stand up and be a force to be reckoned with, Father God. That we don't have to worry about the person to our right or the person to our left because we are comfortable with who we are around, Father God. And Lord, those who seek to do us harm, Lord, I ask that you either repair it or you remove them from our lives, Father. Give us boldness to remove those who don't need to be around us. But also give us the boldness to step forward to people who are beefing with us, Lord God. Give us the, the boldness to step forward to people who have got issues with us, Father God. But where those issues require us to confess and, and to acknowledge something we've done wrong, let us do it. It's hard, but let us do it, Lord God. And Lord God, those who are battling with substances or, or families or psychological issues or whatever it is that's holding them back Father God I ask that you release them in the name of Jesus allow them to, to see the beauty that you are Father God allow them to see the beauty of a new day allow them to walk free and, and free from the opinions of others Father God free from condemnation Father God let them not look at what people are saying but just compare themselves to themselves Lord God and compare themselves to your word Lord which is the only true measuring stick and Lord God for those who want to come forward and acknowledge you Lord God those who are in the, the audience Father who want to hail you as king and as Lord but maybe a little bit uneasy Father God Move them. And move in their hearts and draw them to you, Father God. Allow them to reach out to somebody and say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's going on. Put people around them, Father God, that are going to be able to support them and be true to them. And Lord, all that we stand here for and all that we pray for, Lord God, I ask that you, Lord God, reign in our lives. That your relationship with us will be so strong, Lord God, it will overshadow everything else. Lord, I ask that you lead 
You direct us. I ask that you grant us the desires of our hearts, Lord God. But most of all, I ask, Lord God, that your will is fulfilled in us. Let us make you happy and proud. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen.